Please turn with me now to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah for our reading of God's holy word. Nehemiah chapter 11. Nehemiah chapter 11. In this text of scripture, there is change taking place right after covenant with God. God's people in Nehemiah chapter 10 covenanted before God. And change is nearly always hard. We, we like our routines. We like our patterns in life. But change is nearly always hard. Hard, but sometimes it is necessary. And it is necessary if it brings us closer to God. The children who are here, your life, dear children, is going to be full of changes. And not all of those changes will be easy, some will be exciting, some will be fun. And some will be hard. But change is necessary. Imagine if I told you you're five years old. And at 25 years old, you would not change at all. You would be the exact same person. Would you think that was a good thing? Or if you're eight years old, and I told you at 28, you would still act the exact same. Would that be a good thing? You probably say no. I hope you said no. Because change is necessary. We change as we grow up and we learn things. And the most important change in your life will be to be closer to God. To live in the presence of God. And to live in such a way that you know that God can see all that we do. And if we look to him, he is there to help. Now let us read now from Nehemiah chapter 11, seeing how their changes brought them closer to God. Nehemiah chapter 11. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. But in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property. In their towns, Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived certain of the sons of Judah and of the sons of Benjamin, of the sons of Judah, Attiah, the son of Uzziah, son of Zechariah, son of Amariah, son of Shaphatiah, son of Mahalel, of the sons of Perez, Messiah, the son of Baruch, son of Colheze, son of Haziah, son of Adiah, son of Jairab, 
son of Zechariah, son of the Shulamite. All the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. And these are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshulam, son of Joed, son of Padiah, son of Coliah, son of Messiah, son of Ithiel, son of Jesiah, and his brothers, men of valor, 928. Joel, the son of Zikri, was their overseer. And Judah, the son of Hasanua, was second over the city. Of the priests, Jediah, the son of Joarab, Jachim, Sariah, the son of Hilkiah, son of Meshulam, son of Zadok, son of Moriah, son of Ahatab, ruler of the house of God. And their brothers who did the work of the house, 822. And Adiah, the son of Jehoram, son of Peliah, son of Amzi, son of Zechariah, son of Pasher, son of Malkijah, and his brothers, heads of fathers, houses, 242. Amashai, the son of Azarel, son of Azai, son of Mashalemoth, son of Immer, and their brothers, mighty men of valor, 128. Their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of Hagadolam. And of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashab, son of Azrakam, son of Hashabiah, son of Buni, and Shabbatai, and Josabad, of the chiefs of the Levites, who were over the outside work of the house of God. And Mataniah, the son of Micah, son of Zabdi, son of Asaph, who was the leader of the praise, who gave thanks, and Bakpukai, the second among his brothers, and Abda, the son of Shamua, son of Galal, son of Judathan. All the Levites in the holy city were 284. The gatekeepers, Akob, Talmon, and their brothers, who kept watch at the gates, were 172, and the rest of Israel and of the priests and the Levites were in all the towns of Judah, everyone in his inheritance. But the temple servants lived on Ophel and Ziha and Gishpa were over the temple servants. The overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, son of Hashabiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micah, the sons of Asaph, the singers, over the work of the house of God. For there was a command from the king concerning them, and a fixed provision for the singers, as every day required. And Pethahiah, the son of Mesazabel, of the sons of Zerah, the son of Judah, was at the king's side in all matters concerning the people. And as for the villages with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kerioth Arba and its villages, and in Debon and its villages, and Jokabzeel and its villages, and Jeshua and Molada and Beth Pelet, in Hazar Shual, in Beersheba and its villages, 
in Ziklag and Mechana and its villages, and Enriman and Zorah in Jarmuth, Zanoah, Abdalam and their villages, Lachish and its fields, Ezekah and its villages. So they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The people of Benjamin also lived from Geba onward at Michmash, Aijah, Bethel and its villages, Anathoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hazar, Ramah, Githaim, Hadid, Zeboim, Nabalot, Lod, and Ono. The Valley of Craftsmen and certain divisions of the Levites in Judah were assigned to Benjamin. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word to us. How many here can remember the time period from about early the year 2020 to about early this year? In some ways, it can be a bit of a blur. The two years from the beginning of the pandemic. But in some ways, it can also be a time that we'll never forget. No doubt, mistakes were made by many, myself included. But I'm sure it taught us this. There's many things in our lives we do not appreciate until... They are taken away. And one of the things that we began to appreciate was seeing the face of other people, being the presence of other people face to face. The word in person meeting became a thing after that. We can see that even Zoom, for all the things that it can do, cannot replace the blessing of being in the presence of someone else and seeing their face. For many, we struggled without seeing other people, some more than others. And this is a natural thing, a natural thing, for we have been created in the image of God and we've been created as such to have relationships with each other. But there's someone's face whom we are to seek above all others. And that is the face of Almighty God. That we would live before God with the knowledge of living before Him. There's a Latin phrase that summarizes this belief, this Christian belief. Corum Deo. Corum Deo. And what that phrase means is this. Before God. Or before the face of God. To live with the knowledge of living in His presence. Sproul described it this way. To live, Corum Deo, is to live one's entire life in the presence of God. Under the authority of God. To the glory of God. Our God, our Heavenly Father, is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is not contained by anything or anyone. And we must seek to be closer to Him. 
seeking to please and obey him. And this is the fruit, dear friends, of Nehemiah chapter 10. In Nehemiah chapter 10, they promise the covenant before God to follow God and to leave behind sin. And here are the necessary changes, structurally you could say, to their lives. This is the fruit of covenant keeping from the heart. Nehemiah and God's people were seeking, as we'll see in this text, to be closer to God, to live in his presence. And where was that presence to be found? Where was that special dwelling of God's presence? In the holy city of Jerusalem. Our first point that we're going to look at here this evening is, number one, seeking God's presence. Seeking God's presence. There is a low number at this time in Jerusalem's history. This holy city needs to be repopulated. Repopulated if we turn to Nehemiah 7 verse 4 just to get the context of what is going on at this time. Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 4 says this. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few. And the houses were not rebuilt. So this city at this time is in great need of being repopulated. A city without a population is not much of a city. In verse 1 of our text in Nehemiah chapter 11, Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring out one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city. And nine-tenths were to dwell in other cities. It seems at the time there was a trouble getting people to live in this city, in this holy city. And from a human point of view, we can understand this. It was a very dangerous place. The enemies of God were seeking to attack those who lived in Jerusalem. And there was no We could say economic attraction to living there. Actually, at the time, it was far more attractive to live farming in other parts because there was far more money to be made. And if you remember back to the beginning of Nehemiah, the city was in ruins. Now it is newly rebuilt with its walls. Now the leadership, chosen by casting lots, were to dwell in this holy city. Now, in preparation for this evening, I was reading through a number of commentaries, and they seem to bring out a lot about city living and living in the country. And there's certain aspects of this, you know, to not neglect city life and witness in the city. I understand where they're coming from, but there's something far more profound, something far deeper taking place in this text than just choices of where we live. Yes, we should go wherever God sends us, whether that is the city or the country. But the text is careful to call Jerusalem here the holy city, verse 1. The holy city. 
It doesn't just say Jerusalem. It says Jerusalem, the holy city. And what is significant about that is where God's presence was in a special way. This is the location of the temple. This is the location of the holy of holies. And God's special presence was there in a special way until the veil of the Holy of Holies was rent into from top to bottom after the death of Jesus Christ. There is something profound and deep about the meaning of Jerusalem, of being closer to God's presence, of being closer to God's presence. Leaders in the church are to be closer, or are to be close to God, aren't they? To be close to God. To live, as we said earlier, Coram Deo, before the face of God. And if we want to live Coram Deo as a community, as God's people, then we need leaders, don't we? Who live in that way. A body covenant keeping together. And that leadership, when we're blessed with such a leadership, it blesses the church to unify that church in one common purpose, to live close to God, to live quorum, Dale. Now this does not mean, friends, that this is only for the leadership. Yes, the leaders are to dwell there in the presence of God. But it's, we all need this. Every single last one of us. This is for everyone. For if the leadership fails, then many other people can suffer as a result. And this is all done according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Not everybody is sent up to be placed in this location. And that is true of true biblical leadership it's according to the will of almighty God now in our text it talks about the casting of lots people cast lots in verse 1 to bring one out of ten to dwell in Jerusalem now that may seem very strange to us today casting of lots what is this talking about but I'm going to read two proverbs that will hopefully help us this evening to understand what this text is referring to Proverbs 16.33, the lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. Now this may seem like a very strange practice to us today. We don't see live examples of it before us. But it is them seeking the will of God. The will of God. The idea is God in his providence will bring out the, the lot that is That he's choosing. Another proverb says this. Proverbs 18.18. Casting lots causes contentions to cease. And keeps the mighty apart. Contentions to cease. I'll put it another way. Nehemiah was not sending these leaders to this. What many of you might have seen. A dangerous place. Yes, they'd rebuilt it. Yes, there was a lot of work went into it. But at the same time, this is the will of God. 
They were seeking to determine the will of God. The idea is God's sovereign will is behind this. We also see this in the New Testament before Pentecost in Acts 1 verse 26 when they were deciding who was going to replace Judas's position. And this is all done in the presence of God, before the face of God. Today, we know the will of God, how? By spending time alone with God, by praying to God, that his face would shine upon us. This is done when we leave behind the outside, and I mean outside of Jerusalem, the comforts of being outside Jerusalem. The ease, the apparent safety of being outside Jerusalem. And seeking God's presence in Jerusalem. And leadership has to be done willingly. Willingly. Verse 2, it says this, And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. To dwell at Jerusalem. Now, there are official roles of leadership. But many of us are leaders without us really realizing it. For the children here, how many of you are the oldest in your family? If you've got any people who are the oldest in your family, and you've got younger brothers or sisters, those brothers or sisters more probably look up to you. They probably don't tell you this. But they want to be like you. And often, many of your examples, they may copy. And the question before you, anybody who's the oldest here, you're a leader without really realizing it sometimes. Will your younger brothers or sisters be copying your sinful Behavior or your blessed behavior, your willingness to help out your parents, or perhaps your willingness to encourage others. All of us are leaders in some way, and we must lead by example before the face of God. So, number one, seeking God's presence. Number two, now we're going to look at serving. In God's presence. Serving in God's presence. It doesn't matter who you are, how long you have been saved, your family background or anything else. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins, there is a role for you in the church. And your role is unique. There are no two elders are alike. I've never met two elders that are identical copies of each other. Even when I've met people who are brothers. Very, very different personalities. No two deacons are alike. Our family has been blessed with identical twins. And they are different from each other. We are all unique individuals. With unique roles and with unique gifting from Almighty God. But we are all to serve. And the way we serve is not going to be identical to everyone else. Verses 3 and 4. These are the heads of the province. 
who dwelt in Jerusalem. But in the cities of Judah, everyone dwelt in his own possession in their cities. Israelites, priests, Levites, Nethanim, and and descendants of Solomon's servants, and also in Jerusalem, dwelt some of the children of Judah and of the children of Benjamin. Then verse 6, it says, All the sons of Perez who dwelt at Jerusalem were 486 valiant men. Not all were leaders. Some of those people we just mentioned there were lay people. They were not leaders, but... Not all were leaders, but many of them were. Verse 9, Joel, the son of Zikri, was their overseer. And Judah was the son of Senua, was second over the city. Some were Levites and priests. Verse 10, of the priests. And it lists out a number of the priests. And part of the priestly office was teaching. Teaching. Verse 15, also of the Levites, and they have, a, they have much the same role. Some were gatekeepers, verse 16. Shabbatai and Jozebad and the heads of the Levites had oversight of the business outside of the house of God. Verse 19, more over the gatekeepers, Akub, Talman, and their brethren who kept the gates. And their defense was an important one for the defense of the city. The defense of the city. Uh, Some were given the job of singing. Worshipping before God day and night. And some served in other locations. At the end of this chapter in verses 25 and 31, it talks about verse 25. And as for the villages with their fields, some of the children of Judah dwelt in Kirjath Arba and its villages. This was outside of Jerusalem. Some are called to serve in different locations. Not all of us are called to serve in exactly the same place, in exactly the same way. But all of this service is to be done, and is to be done before God. Coramdale. Yes, God's special presence was then, in a special way, in Jerusalem... And there was something wonderful and special about that that we cannot wrap our minds around. In the same way, we cannot wrap our minds around the special blessed way God visits his people in the service of worship. When they meet together. But God is not confined to locations. God is not confined to temples. God is not confined by anything. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. It says in Acts chapter 7, verse 48 to 50, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? It would be tempting to think for them at this time, the time of the Old Testament, time of the temple, the time of the tabernacle, that, that God is confined some way to the Holy of Holies. No, he dwells in a special way there. But he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is here with us in a special way in corporate worship together. 
He visits his people. He dwells among them. He blesses them as he visits. He communes and blesses his people at times like the Lord's table and baptism. He blesses. But not just here, is it? It's not, God is not just with us here in the worship service, is he? He is there with you when you were alone with your computer or with your phone. He is in the room with you when you're having a fight among your family. He is there with you when you rise up early in the morning and when you finish that work late at night. All of these activities are to be done before the face of Almighty God, before His presence, with the knowledge that God sees all. God sees all. All is before His face. We cannot hide anything from God. And if we think we can hide anything from God, we start acting like an atheist. If we think we can hide our sin, if we think that God does not know everything, we start acting and believing like atheists. A God who is limited. A God who is not all-powerful. And that is not the God who created heaven and earth and continues to sustain it to this day. And when you say that there is no God and act like there is no God, you become the fool of Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. People will say, oh, I believe in God. But the God that they describe is not the God who made heaven and earth. And he is not the God who sustains it to this day. The God who does all those things that I just mentioned is all-powerful and all-knowing. He sees all and we owe him all. Everything we have. We owe it to him. But our service is, is sinful. Our, our greatest deeds are but filthy rags before God. The best thing, the, most, the nicest thing we've ever done is still tainted by sin. And we need another who's going to serve in the place of us. Has there been someone who's walked upon the face of the earth and lived a perfect life and served in a way we could never serve. The Lord Jesus Christ. And that righteousness, his obedience to the law, is yours by faith in him. Trusting in him. Believing in him. Number three now. Singing in God's presence. Singing in God's presence. It is a joyful thing to be in the presence of God, isn't it? There's something wrong, isn't there? If, if our worship is just us going through the motions and dragging ourselves there, that, that, that worship, there's something wrong with it. We don't see how wonderful it is to be in the presence of Almighty God. Now, of course we struggle. We're fallen creatures. But to be in this holy city, Jerusalem... And that holy city is the church. Within, spiritually speaking, the priests, the sons of Aaron, and the Levites. 
Now, among those divisions of the priests and the Levites, there was one that is mentioned there of a office where someone had to remain there and continue this role day and night, and that is the singer. The singer. Verses 22 to verse 24 of Nehemiah chapter 11. Verse 22, also the overseer of the Levites at Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micah, the sons of Asaph, the singers in charge of the service of the house of God. For it was the king's command concerning them that a certain portion should be for the singers, a quota day by day. Pathahiah, the son of Meshazabel, of the children of Zerah, the son of Judah, was the king's deputy in all matters concerning the people. The singers here, they were to lead in worship before Almighty God. And they remained there. It wasn't some role where they could come and leave as they pleased. They were there. In First Chronicles chapter 9, verse 33, it says this. These are the singers, heads of the father's houses of the Levites, who lodged in the chambers and were free from other duties. For they were employed in that work day and night. Close to God. Day and night. Coram Deo. Before the face of God. Day and night near his presence. Now the singers here. We may just think that they just sang. But there was more to the role than just this. Yes they sang. But they did other things as well. There was other parts of the ceremonial worship of the Old Testament they did as well. They did all that was involved in this. It says in 1 Chronicles 15, 16, Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers, accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps and cymbals, by raising the voice with resounding joy. Resounding joy. It also talks about a few verses later, the singers, Heman, Asaph and Ethan, were to sound the symbols of bronze. You can think of them generally as worshippers. They led the worship before the people of God, giving a shout of joy toward God. If we think of Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Make a joyful shout, a joyful shout to the Lord. All you lands, serve the Lord with gladness, Come before his presence with singing. Singing. And it is such a shame that much of the church for the last few hundred years has treated singing as just some added extra around the rest of worship. Singing is so important. It is part of a worship. And so what we offer before God is so vital. And when we think about what we offer before God... We must follow what God tells us to offer before him. According to his will. In the presence of God. Before the face of God. The singers were to be dedicated to the role of worshipping God. 
Dear Christian here this evening, do you see a picture? Do you see a picture of our role before God? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for instruction in righteousness. I know there are parts of the Bible, you read them and you think, can I get anything out of this? All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17. All scripture, every single jot, every iota, it blesses. And we don't always understand it at the time. But do you see a picture of our role? We may not be Levites today. The Levitical priesthood has been done away with. We may not be sons of Aaron in any Old Testament sense. But we too are to be dedicated worshippers of Almighty God. Coram Deum. Before the face of God. Not everyone has a full-time role doing this. We have other responsibilities and duties to do. But we are still to be dedicated to worshipping our God in heaven. And let us think about heaven. Our future. That glorious future that awaits the believer in Jesus Christ. We're talking about an earthly Jerusalem, a holy city, but it points toward a new Jerusalem to come. There we will sing forever and ever. And there, you know, this evening we feel weary. We've had a wonderful day of fellowship. We're maybe struggling with tiredness from all the wonderful fellowship we've had earlier. But in that new Jerusalem, there will be no tiredness. And we will sing and enjoy it for all eternity and praise his name. We will worship him who lives forever and ever and cry out, as Revelation 4 verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. We will never tire of this song. We will never tire of singing before him. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the, li- the four living creatures, the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. The children here, have you, have you got a favorite song? A song that you you, you go around the house and you're just singing it over and over and over again. And everybody's like, oh, maybe sing a different song. You may even after a while get, get tired of singing that same song. But that will never happen in eternity in heaven. We will forever love to sing this new song, which will forever be fresh and wonderful in his presence. Our final point is secure in God's presence. Secure in God's presence. So we've looked at seeking God's presence, serving in God's presence, singing in God's presence. And if that is true of us, we are secure in God's presence. It says in verse 20 of our text, and the rest of Israel 
of the priests, the Levites, were in all the cities of Judah, everyone in his inheritance, in his inheritance. And we think of the inheritance mentioned in verse 25. And as for the villages with their fields, and some of the children of Judah dwelt in Kirjath Arba and its villages. They stayed in their villages. They stayed in their inheritance. Now the people of God here had their inheritance despite their sin. Despite the exile that had taken place. But God in his mercy brings them back. He brings them back from exile and puts them into their inheritance. Only because... Of the Lord's mercy. And only because of God's promises did they have this inheritance in the land of Judah. They were, they were looking toward God. We see throughout this text, it mentions uh, the Benjamites and also others in the land of Judah. The children of Judah, the children of Benjamin and also the Levites. This is what was remaining. This is what remained of the people who looked unto the Lord God. And this inheritance was not always in their presence. Sometimes it was taken away from them by different empires throughout history. And there's also another picture seen in the Old Testament. The Levites. What does it say of the Levites? They had no inheritance. Of the land. The Lord was their inheritance. It says in Numbers 18:20. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. I am your portion, the Lord says. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here this evening, if you trusted him and repented of your sins, that's what he says to you. This world is not your home. And he says to you, dear believer, brother, sister in Christ, I am your portion. I am your inheritance. Because it's in God. Because he is the one, the unchangeable one, the one who keeps his promises. It is secure. It is not like the land promise. Because of sin, they lost it. Because of unfaithfulness, they lost it. But by faith in Jesus Christ, by trusting in Him, God is your portion, your inheritance, and that can never, ever be taken away from you. The things you have in this world, they can, and they will be taken away from you one day. Uh, The houses... Cars, all these things, they will return to dust one day. Anything you prize, you won't be able to take it into the world to come. And as we think of living before Him, if you live before Him, if you've trusted Him, living in His presence, your future is secure. Your future is secure. Isaiah 32, verse 18, My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. 
Have you thought about where God wants you? Have you ever thought that question? Where does God want me? Where does God want me to serve? Where does God want me to to use whatever gift things he's given him? The first answer is this, close to him. That's where he wants you, close to his presence. In his holy city, not away from his holy city. If there's anybody here who's a believer in Jesus Christ, become part of a local body of believers. Close to him, among his people. Not all of us are leaders. Like in Nehemiah 11. Not all of us are called to live this way described here. But we're all called to be close to God. Every single last one of us. To dwell among his people. Have you trusted him? Or are you outside of the city of God, this holy city? How can you enter into this holy city? How can you gain access that the gatekeeper would open up this way that you may enter in? How? Through Jesus Christ. He is that door. He is the truth, the way and the life. And when you come into his presence, joy. There is joy in the presence of him. There is joy among the people of God. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Let us turn now in our Psalters to Psalm 17. Psalm number 17.